Neutral Podcast. This is episode 112 for May of 2021. I'm Pete. Eric and Garrett are with me as always, all three of your hosts again this month, and no guests, it's just the three of us. Uh, hi guys, how you doing? Oh, not too bad. I thought yeah, that... Trying to, trying, trying to find spring here. Not, not being successful, but we're trying to find it. Don't tell me it's snowing where you're at. No, but it's, you know, like 50, excuse me, 48 degrees and raining. Oh, goodness. It's crazy. We have had the driest April on record here, and we have had some uncharacteristically warm days. Yesterday, it was like 87 degrees. Um, We had uh, last month, like mid-month, we had a stretch of like mid-80, high 80-degree weather. It's just been like super hot and dry over here, Hmm. and I don't really like it. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I like the, I like it when it's warm and dry, but also we need the water and I don't know. It's uh, <clears throat> a little too warm and dry, I think. Gotcha. But at least it's not snowing where you're at. That's good. Yeah. Almost. <laughs> Almost. Pretty cold. <laughs> yeah. Well, it did, it did. We actually did get, I don't want to say measurable snow, but we've got uh, more. It covered the ground for more than a day, like at the end of April. So. You know, like the 25th of April, we had, you know, <laughs> snow on the ground. So, yeah. You get any more use out of your flatbed trailer, Pete? Actually, yes. Uh, my niece decided that she wanted to step up from her KE100 and get something that was a little bit less scary in traffic. And so she and her dad <laughs> went shopping. Her Her dad's had motorcycles on and off for many years and didn't have one and they said well let's go half on one that we can both ride and share when we want to take a ride so uh they went shopping and they decided that they both really liked the versus x 300 from kawasaki sure and as you know dealer stock is pretty low right now well there is a very very small kawasaki dealer in the middle of Kansas, in a very small town, it's actually a Ford dealer that has Kawasaki mostly side-by-sides and ATVs as a sideline. And they had two Versus X300s, 2017s, still new on the showroom floor. Oh, wow. Their showroom floor consisted of two or three side-by-sides. What is it? The, the KLX 140, the KLX 230 dual sport mm-hmm. and two versus X 300s that had been sitting there since 2017. Well, one was ABS and one wasn't. My niece is young enough and inexperienced enough. We're like, you're going to get the ABS one, which was gray. And they had the lime Kawasaki green one that was a non ABS model. And in the middle of it all, my brother-in-law went, you know, instead of sharing one at these prices, let's buy two. So they ended up getting them both for about 25% off of the MSRP. 
Nice. They were like, can you grab your trailer and bring us out there? So it was about an eight-hour round trip to go out, get them purchased, get them on the trailer, and get them back. Mm-hmm. But it was definitely worth it. The thing is, the trailer is just a, uh, what do they call it? A pipe top. Right. Yeah. And there wasn't really any good way to secure it. So I went to Harbor Freight, and I bought a couple of their ride-on wheel chocks, the kind mm-hmm. that flip over and hold the wheel. Those are really nice for the money. They're like 60 bucks, $62, I think it cost me for each. Yeah, I put five of those in my um, enclosed trailer so we can, you know, hold our dirt bikes. Well, they have some really cheap ones that are just, you know, like a little piece of bent pipe that you have to bolt down. I really didn't want to modify our brand new trailer. Mm-hmm. These are nice because you can strap the bike to it, strap the bike to the trailer and not have to drill through the floor of boards of the trailer to mount it. Mm-hmm. It's freestanding and still secure. I went ahead and bought them so that I would have them. If we can segue into workshop update, uh, the bride of Bull Talkenstein monstrosity, the leftover spare parts from the spare part bike. <laughs> it is a roller. I finished the swing arm modifications, the rear wheel. I had to do some lathe work on the rear sprocket carrier to take some width off so that it would be centered and had to move the sprocket in about a quarter of an inch. So uh got all that done, got the front end on, made spacers to put the VTR 250 front wheel in the forks and... It's all up and together. I haven't mounted the engine yet, but I actually took it out. I guess it was the day before yesterday. And I went as fast as Fred Flintstone braking would deem prudent. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. we have kind of a sloping yard and a sloping driveway. So I kind of would get on it, roll down the driveway, and I kind of did some S-turns and stuff. And at least at, you know walking to jogging speeds, it handled very predictably and seemed to be not too twitchy and not too slow steering. So I was pleased that it seemed like it wasn't a total disaster. Now, the the biggest thing is this has about a, I think I measured 48 and a half inch wheelbase. So it's very short mm-hmm. <laughs> and a 34 inch seat height. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost as tall as it is long. And and it only has about three inches of rear wheel travel. <laughs> so it, it doesn't make any sense at all. And I, I started very quickly going down the road of, well, maybe I could modify the swing arm and put dual shocks on it and, you know, give it more suspension travel and lower it. Well, if I did that, I'd have to get shorter fork tubes because, you know, they'd be sticking up above the triple clamp if I did that. And well, then I'd run into, is the wheel going to get, you know, clearance at full bump? And I thought, no, the whole point of this was take the parts I have and see what it adds up to as cheaply as possible while using up as many used parts as possible. So you know what? It is what it is going to be. So mm-hmm. next thing is I'm going to set up the brakes. It's it's not going to have any foot controls since it's a, a CVT, mm-hmm. I'm doing front brake on the throttle side, rear brake on the left like you do on a scooter or a bicycle. So 
Right. It's probably going to be somewhat wheelie prone, even with the CVT and six and a half horses. I'm thinking you're going to be sitting tall enough and it's going to, your rear, rear wheel is going to be close enough underneath you that it'll probably be really good to have that rear brake on the handlebars where you can yeah. grab it very easily. Uh, I'll post a picture of it on Hooniverse. I sent it to you guys in our Slack chat earlier. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, that's what I've been up to. I haven't done anything on Bull Talk and Sign or anything else, but uh, the nice thing is I can take this whole conglomeration of parts and roll it around my shop, and I was able to put my jig away because my jig had been set up not in the garage, but in the basement right in front of, you know, general storage. So my wife's very glad that it all got moved back in the garage. Everything's set up and my wheels are properly centered. And I put my new tires on, which was an adventure in itself, but it's got nice uh, Now K66 tires on it, which are kind of a almost a dual sport tire, just kind of a very blocky street tread. Mm-hmm. kind of a gravel runner kind of thing. And the way that these Predator engines work, you don't run the exhaust down under it. Exhaust will just be coming out the back. So it it will work on a gravel road. You know, you could take it down some dusty gravel road without worrying about having anything. Not rough terrain because of the suspension, Se- but it's... 70 scrambler quality? Yes, street scrambler kind of terrain so mm-hmm. so that's what i've got going on how about you guys i have been really busy working on a lot of different things although nothing like really motorcycle specific but in my shop i've had this project i'm trying to get everything off the floor that i can so like i have these steel um, storage racks, you know, like the kind that you buy at Home Depot or wherever else. And so they set on the ground, which takes up ground space just so stuff can sit there. And I hate that. And I want, cause I don't have a ton of space. I'm trying to maximize every bit of it that I can. So what I did is I built about 12 of these, uh, steel heavy duty shelf brackets, I guess you would say. So I made them out of one inch by three inch steel tubing and I designed them. So this, my shop is uh, made out of cinder block and I designed these so that they hang from the top of the cinder block wall. And my shop has 12 foot walls. So they hang from the top plate and, um, they're spaced every five feet and there's um, kind of brackets for two shelves about two feet um, between them up and down. And so I, I am basically putting these across uh, two of my four interior walls. So I'll have this continuous run of shelves that are up high off the ground. So the bottom shelf ends up being about eight feet high. And then the next one about 10 feet high and they just kind of go across my whole um, two walls of my shop, which ends up being about, let's see, 24. So I'll have about 50 feet times two. So 100 feet of total shelf. Um, So everything that was stored that was touching the ground is now going to be up off the ground and it'll um, afford me a whole bunch more floor space in my shop, which... 
um, I'm pretty excited about. So I just finished building all the shelves. I need to now um, mount them and actually build the shelf, you know, like where actually the stuff actually sits on. So I've been working on that, trying to get some more floor space in my workshop. I have this boat also, and it hasn't been on the water since 2013. It's this 21 foot closed bow. It's a pretty low profile boat. It's got a dart. 383 small block in it and at one time this boat is a you know 85 mile an hour boat it's got a lot of power it's pretty fast but it hasn't been on the water in a long time so i've just been so busy with school over the last years and kids and all that i haven't done anything with it well it's time now that i get the boat back out so i put a new carburetor on it took the distributor out so I could prime the oil system before I tried starting it for the first time in years and put the distributor back in, gave it a whole tune up and fired it up for the first time, you know, in years just the other day. So it seems like everything's working. I'm going to take it out on a river test here in a couple of weeks uh, and, you know, hopefully enjoy some family boating this year. Uh, next Monday, this coming Monday, my wife and kids and I are taking a road trip. We have this this little travel trailer, and we're going to go down to the Redwood Forest in California, um, go see the big redwood trees. We're going to stop in San Francisco for a night and visit some family, and then we're going to go to Yosemite National Park, stay a few days in Yosemite, and then drive home. A couple days after I get back from that, I'm loading my boys up, with the dirt bikes and we're going to go out in central Oregon on a dirt bike riding trip, uh, after that. So, uh, the next couple of weeks are going to be pretty busy, a lot of traveling, but we're going to do some motorcycle riding. Also, uh, I have this, um, diesel truck. And I think that I told you guys, um, a few weeks ago, I wanted a transmission built for it. So I took it to the shop in central Oregon and they're doing this full, um, billet input shafts, billet torque converter, just this, you know, hot rod transmission is supposed to handle a thousand horsepower. They're also doing a lift pump and injectors and all sorts of hot rod parts and uh, doing head studs. So um, my diesel truck is going from stock to pretty extreme. <laughs> and I'll be picking that up while I'm down in Central Oregon uh, for this little motorcycle trip that I'm doing with my boys, I'm going to pick up the diesel truck. And it's going to be quite a bit different from when I dropped it off. It's had a lot of work done to it in the past few weeks. So I'm excited so the, about that. Did a 12-valve or a 24-valve coming? This, this, it's a Duramax. Oh, it's so a Duramax. This is, oh. Yeah, Chevy 6.6-liter uh, um, Duramax. But it has, still has a stock turbo. So they, they told me to expect 600 horsepower with it, about 1,100 torque. I might uh, change out the turbo on it in, I don't know, some time, maybe when I get bored <laughs> with it, I'll put a bigger <laughs> turbo on it. But it, 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 it's going to have, um, you know, full built transmission and drivetrain and everything. So basically, I told them I want to be able to tow um, 20,000 pounds without concern about the transmission. I also want it to be fast when I want it to be fast. So um, that's what they're doing to it. So I've had a lot of stuff going on, uh, not a ton of motorcycle stuff, but I'm trying to get some more floor space in my shop so I can 
um, kind of tackle a little bit more, have a little bit better organization. So motorcycle projects are kind of slightly on hold while I get my workshop buttoned back up. So, cool. but yeah, lots, yeah. Go, lots going on. I got my little Forzinger out and my oldest son, he's six. He just went back to in-person school. He's in kindergarten. So he's been um, in school all day long. And so I have four days off a week because I only work three days as I'm a nurse. So my younger son, I've been taking him to the shop and and I just let him ride the little Forzinger around and he'll ride it for hours and I'll just be able to go, you know, work on the shop, do welding, whatever I need to do. And he's just out in the in the field riding his little Forzinger around and he'll just keep himself busy for hours. So we've in the past few weeks, I've been able to get so much done. <laughs> and I've like I've been looking forward kind of to this moment for a long time. The point where, like, you know, at least one kid is in school. I have more free time. Uh, you know, my my four-year-old's able to kind of entertain himself while I'm working on things. And so I've just been able to get tons of stuff done. You know, as soon as I can get the workshop all buttoned back up, then I'm looking forward to finally getting um, some of these motorcycle projects completed now that I've got the time to do it. So Nice. Yeah. Eric, I saw on Facebook that you won your curling league. So one of one of them, yes. Bravo, it's, bravo. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, uh, we won uh, that night and the, and the championship, uh, having nothing to do with me. <laughs> the week before, <laughs> I was, you know, playing well above my skill level. I was back down to normal or below my normal skill level or skill <laughs> levels. So of the, of the three of the three leagues I was in, got to the playoffs in two. And one one, so it's not too bad. Cool. Nice. And I broke tools trying to break loose bolts to pull the engine out of my bike, and just said, "Well, screw you." Yeah. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> sprayed, sprayed some PB blaster on it and walked away. And I keep looking at it every time I go into the garage and go, "Like, yeah, I get to you eventually." Except for I still keep looking at how to get the the rear bolt out of it, out of the uh, the engine where it mounts to the frame, and I keep staring at it going like, well, how are you supposed to get it? And then I looked at two different books and it doesn't really say it just says, pull, you know, un- unbolt, unbolt these bolts and pull it out. And I'm like, yeah, but there's this one back here. And I, which one is it? And how do you get to anyway? So yeah, anyway, it's what it's a 77, 78. Yeah. There's two, there's one in the front. There's it's like, I think if I remember right, as I'm pointing at the air, so no one listening can say there's one in the front at the lower, at the lower part where the, frame comes down there's one in the rear sort of above the engine and then there's one that's sort of in the rear middle middle to bottom towards the engine and yeah maybe i need a different book <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those things that's 15 minutes worth of work when they get motivated to it i did i was unbolting some other things and i'm like eh, okay yeah, yeah. And i'm like oh yeah let's uh let's look at the transmission no let's not look at the transmission <laughs> <laughs> Pulled the cover off. I'm like, yeah, nope. <laughs> Put it back on. That was it was about that. And then hopefully I've got some extra bolts in a bag because I was taking some other stuff off. And I'm like, um, I wonder where those bolts are because there's three holding this cover on, and there should be eight. <laughs> mm. I, they're they're probably in a zip. That is the one thing I did do is I went through and like all the bolts and nuts and everything else. I I, I spent some time and put everything in Ziploc bags and labeled them up. So. Theoretically, I will know where things are when it's time to go back together. So it's, I, it's yeah. not like I didn't do anything, 
but not much more than nothing. So, yeah. At, at what point are you going to say this just isn't worth <laughs> all as of the soon as, I ha- as soon as I have the funds to buy another motorcycle. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. That, that, that's exactly where it is. Unfortunately, that's going to be a while yet still. So, because mm-hmm. I have to buy things for the house before I buy things for the motorcycle, just for, you know, <laughs> marital mm-hmm. bliss. <laughs> Fun fact for you on Bring a Trailer, the last three CT70s that have sold, average selling price $8,200 for the last three. Although I've heard more than one person say that if you want to know what a real market price, what the real market price is, Bring a trailer is the absolute wrong place to be looking right now. It doesn't matter if it's oh, cars yeah. or motorcycles. Um, just everything. Like if you go to other platforms mm-hmm. that have similar concept, everything and or just mm-hmm. in the general marketplace. But for whatever reason, bring a trailer just all of a sudden. It's like people pay an insane amount of money for things on bring yeah. a trailer. And I don't get how or why. Um I've just because I have a old Ford truck, I've been looking at old Ford trucks and what they're selling for on bring a trailer. And it's like absurd. It's almost like you could go and drag an old Ford truck out of a field, get it running, pressure wash it and probably make thousands of dollars on bring a trailer selling it. (laughs) (laughs) And, and yeah, also like a lot of things, you know, these trail seventies, like who's, who's really spending 80, Eight thousand nine, ten thousand dollars on these trail seventies because they're not selling for that price anywhere else. Bay Area people with lots of tech money. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Well, I definitely think that there are people that have enough money. It's just not worth their time to hunt for anything, and they go, you know what? Here it is. It's available. Sure, great, whatever. Yeah, yeah, and I guess that versus something like eBay. You know, you want to try and buy something on eBay anymore, so. Yeah, and I don't know. I think Bring a Trailer does a good job of, um, like, sort of cultivating a a trust, I think, in the product. Just Mm -hmm. the way that people um, nitpick it and, and, you know, talk about the goods and bads. And for some reason, I think that people trust what they're buying on Bring a Trailer. I'm not sure they should any more than any other auction place. but. But it just seems to be kind of like this artificial trust that gets generated and people are just willing to spend a lot of money on that website. I think there's also a bit of, I think you get caught up in the... The gambling aspect? (laughs) Yeah. There's research that shows that when people spend a lot of money on something, regardless of what it is, just the fact that they spent a lot of money makes it feel special. Mm -hmm. I think there's almost a perk in their mind, the best there was and went high end. And I didn't mess around with that, you know, garden variety stuff you find on Craigslist. I, I bought a good one. Yeah. I had a, realistically, I could have not done this, but I had kind of a, a little fantasy weakness. There was a like 68 or 70 Ford C600, Mm -hmm. the flat front, medium-sized truck. Behind it, it was just frame rails. It didn't have any kind of bed or box or anything on it. Running with a title for $1,100 on Craigslist. Mm-hmm. 
Oh man, that probably a fifteen thousand dollar truck on bringing trailer. Well, it, <laughs> it was an old work truck. You know, it probably needed a paint job. Probably needed bearings and brakes and stuff. It it had like surface rust in places, but it it didn't have any holes. It didn't have any dents. From what I could see, the cab looked like it was in good shape. I'm now body mounts may have been all you know powdered. You know, to be anything other than a farm truck would have to need all kinds of effort and tools sized much larger than anything I have. And it wouldn't even fit in my garage. I couldn't leave it in my driveway. I would have gotten a divorce. You know, (laughs) there was no way this was going to work. But just for a minute, I was like, oh, that's cool. Mm -hmm. That and there was also a Fiat. Is it the 124? The one that's rear engine? Oh, no, that's the 850. Yeah. Oh yeah, the eight fifty. An eight fifty My dad my dad had one of those, yeah. An eight fifty sport that was a again like twelve hundred, thirteen hundred, fifteen hundred dollars. I don't even remember what the price was, but it was like all perfect, but evidently had not run in a while, but didn't have any rust on it. And I was thinking, that'd be cool. And I was like, You have three project bikes, it's taking you a decade. How do you think you're gonna <laughs> deal with a fiat? I have a friend of mine that has an uh, and Alfa Romeo, um, he's constantly working on it. Yeah. And I was just like, an Italian car is just... Exude quality. It, it, it's <laughs> just a way to complicate your life indefinitely until you finally give up and sell it at a loss. And I was like, okay, this guy's mm-hmm. getting rid of it for the exact same reason I'm going to be getting rid of it in a year. So, no, I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. I joke that I really don't care for my honda element the only reason to keep it around is because it's perfect for hauling two irish wolfhounds around which Mm -hmm. it is and i was reminded today of another reason why i don't like it um our car insurance bill came which it's no big deal but my wife's six-year-old ford edge which is probably worth fifteen sixteen thousand dollars and has full coverage is like twelve or thirteen hundred dollars a year to insure my $4,000, 16-year-old vehicle, that's, yeah, 4000 bucks with not minimum insurance, but, you know, not no collision, no comp, none of that, is $800. Dang. <laughs> yeah. I know. And I have no points on my record either. So <laughs> it's one more reason why I hate that. <laughs> yeah. Why is it so expensive? Is it I, Sometimes when they list them as four-wheel drive, Right, which element is four-wheel drive, I think, is listed as. Um, that increases yeah. the the insurance cost. Here's, here's the crazy thing. Um, about two years ago, I was looking at getting a Land Rover LR3 because I'm an idiot. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And that would have cost less to insure. <laughs> by like How is that By $300. Wow. I have no idea why. I just did they get stolen a lot, or I mean, because it's not like that's a hardcore off-road no. vehicle. That it's a box. It's a tin can. It's literally a tin can. And mm-hmm. if you were to ride in it, you'd understand. It's literally a tin can. Did they like blow over in high winds because they're no, light and have, flat? I have no idea why. <laughs> Interesting. None. So yeah, I want another station wagon. I just I do, but. I don't have the 15 grand to buy the Mercedes station wagon I want right now. So, <laughs> oh, well, cause I want another Mercedes wagon. I miss mine. Yeah. And it's the only practical 
buying a buying an SUV to haul them, haul two dogs around doesn't make sense because then I have to lift them up and then they have to jump down. Not exactly the best idea in the world. So a station wagon at least is low that or like a Ford Transit van or something, you know, or a minivan yeah. or something. But yeah, I really don't want to have to buy one of those. Really yeah, don't. station wagons are a lot better. <laughs> Circling back to motorcycles. Um, who was it that did it? Motorcyclist magazine did an MC commute on the 660 Tuano. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm not much on buying a new bike, but that one might tempt me because mm-hmm. it's basically a more comfortable version of the regular, you know, 660 sport bike, um, but cheaper. And, you know, you can still get AB or not the ABS, but the uh, quick shifter and the, uh, six position IMU on it. And it still comes out less than a base than the base one. I'm like, yeah, you know, Hmm. And it sounded even with a stock pipe, it sounded pretty good. So you could always get yourself the spark pulling 701 thing for like 64 (laughs) 99. I saw one, I think it was on Facebook. It was advertised locally for about, yeah, $7,500 at a dealership. Brand new. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably a pretty good bike for the money. I wish yeah. my wife had let me buy one. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I, you know, I, I think we need windows in the house and yeah, uh, right. redo some stuff in the upstairs bathroom so it's functional and yeah, yeah. Damn thing about being an adult. <laughs> I, I of course would never buy one, but the Pan American seems to like be getting like pretty decent reviews. It's, uh, it's interesting. Yeah, I I was really surprised that that thing makes a ton of horsepower, 150 horsepower. Yeah, what the, that's like insane. <laughs> I was very shocked by that. I have read or watched so many reviews where people say, I have to eat crow. I have to swallow my words. I was predicting this was going to be a flop or mm-hmm. you know off the mark or was going to come in at $25,000 and not sell. Uh, Baldy from ADV Rider was like, they pretty much knocked this out of the park. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Uh, the Revzilla review was really positive about it. Uh, people who are kind of like, I was really doubtful, but this is at least competitive in its market. Yep. Several people said, no, I'd buy the BMW or the KTM, or I'd spend less and I'd get something that wasn't as sophisticated. But none of them said it did a whole lot bad, except the display is sometimes not readable. Mm. And that's about the only thing that across the board people have had complaints about. Yeah, I think the other couple things I, I hear was pretty consistent was the plastic for the handguards was a little chintzy. Uh, and that the winch screen could be adjusted, but it wasn't as simple or easy as like some of the other ones where you literally just like reach forward, squeeze something and move it up and down. It was a little more, right. It yeah. wasn't as easy to do. Um, but yeah, they, I think, um, was it Justin Dawes for motorcyclist or whatever? Like, I think he summed up best as like, this is way better than anyone could have ever expected from Harley Davidson on a first effort in a market they've never been in before. Right. Yeah. So, and that motor is pretty interesting. The fact that there is no valve adjustments and things like that, mm-hmm. that leads you to hope that they'll put that engine in, in, an, in an interesting chassis that isn't just a big old cruiser. Yeah. Right. Well, they said it's really revy. You know, it's, it's not a, yeah. a typical Harley torquey motor. So they could probably take it just as it is. 
and put it in some of those other designs they had, you know, the Street Fighter and the Bronx and the Cruiser and whatever else they had shown previously. I mean, like, I don't know. Triumph just came out with a new um, Speed Triple, and it'd be it'd be cool to see them do something that's along those lines of like a big a big sporty, not a you know like track focus like maybe like that thing was, but like a big kind of sporty kind of naked bike with it. Mm-hmm. Just to mm-hmm. compete in that market a little bit, it would be I think it would be pretty cool. Yeah, it's a nine thousand RPM engine. Yeah, and no. it's thirteen to one compression ratio. Like the thing's pretty nasty, actually. Yeah. And that, and you know, in a more sporty type uh, motorcycle, like they're talking about this, you know, building the Street Fighter. I think that that's probably canceled now. I'm not sure, but um, this engine sounds like it would be a, like perfect for something <laughs> like that. Like they got any old Buell chassis laying around? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> like seriously, yeah. Or maybe yeah. the people who own Buell now would will buy those engines from Harley because they need something to to yeah, power them. Right, gives you some hope for them. I would hope that this would lead them to think of yeah, maybe we can compete in markets other than just our typical cruiser market, but it's still Harley. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, the fact that they took their time to get it right proved to be a good gamble. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, well, could you and, imagine and of course if we're... this motorcycle absolutely tanked? You know, like Harley Davidson is so fragile, anyways. And if they have this new product that's absolutely a disaster, like I think we are bearing the lead on on this whole thing of like it actually has one of the most innovative things in motorcycles in I don't know seventy years. It, it runs on bags where it come, you come to a stop and it drops it two or three inches so that mm-hmm. it isn't, you know, you don't have to tiptoe, especially if you're a shorter rider. You can you can actually get your feet down on the on the ground on this thing. Yeah, um, that's I mean, who who thought of Harley is like innovating, not only in, not in a market they've never been in, but innovating in a market that they've never been in, you know? Yeah, yeah. Then again, most of their people, most of the people who buy Harleys are used to like not just flat footing, but having bent knees and flat footing when they come to a stop. So, yeah, maybe that's what led them to think about it, which, you know, OK, cool. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, good on Harley. Things you never thought you'd hear on this podcast. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> and I'm also surprised the number of people said, you know, in person, it doesn't look as bad as I thought it was going to look. You know, that yeah. weird fairing and the weird Cylon headlight and everything. It, it's not a pretty bike, but it you is. Know, I think it's distinctive in the right way, though. I yes. When I first saw it, I thought it was horrendous looking. As I've seen it more and more, and as I've seen other motorcycles design evolve, it now just looks, you know, like atypical. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, but not in a bad. I don't think it looks bad. Like, I, I think that it looks just fine. I, I'm glad that Harley made it look atypical. I guess I, know, I will say Harley. At, at the end of the day, Harley did a better job with that than Yamaha has done restyling yeah. the MT-07 and MT-09, where it looks like you know someone took part of a, a Transformer's face and slapped yes. it on the front end of the bike, which is too bad because. From all reports, the changes they made to the MT-07 and the, and the MT-09 have made them absolutely fabulous bikes, which, okay, I'm a bit of a Yamaha fanboy because that's pretty much all yeah. I've ever owned. But, you know, it just... Uh, yeah, me know. too. I just think, like, Yamaha's design has gone too, like, boyish, you know? It looks like, um, you know, young testosterone styling and 
I'm not really sure I appreciate that style language, but it's not like they got to go lean on heritage stuff, but at least come up with something that's more. You, I don't want to say universally appealing because that usually means it's bland as hell and not interesting, but yeah, but they took the MT 10 and then made that their design language. And I think that that was just a mistake Yeah, because that was just too transformer looking, you know, just it looks too immature. Yes. And, you know, the one thing that I do like about the Pan American is that it has kind of a more mature styling, but throws a lot of like modern elements into mm. it. And, and that's totally fine. I like it. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, speaking of immature and the MT-10, I was so disappointed in the new Suzuki GSX-1000S, especially if you look at it in the gray color. It's as if they looked at the MT-10 and said, we'll do that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All that same angular stuff with the little tiny projector beam headlights on it and big weird angular blades on the side. It looks better in the blue and silver version, which is a little bit more traditional Kawasaki. But when I saw the gray version, I was like, oh, the MT-10 is selling. Ours isn't. I know what we'll do. We'll make it look like theirs. And it's just... I wonder if... I wonder if Japanese styling has fallen into the a bit of the same issue that like Western, like let's say you uh, American and European styling has in the sense of younger designers now look back at the 80s with nostalgia and they think some of that's cool. So they've pulled a little too much of that 80s sort of design of like like early Transformers and akira and some of that and just have pulled that forward and it just they think it's cool but uh, it just doesn't translate to any anyone else speaking of that there is a company called retrofits that makes a traditional kind of 70s cafe set of bodywork for the r3 mm. that is so what's it called again retro works retrofits retrofits r-e-t R-O-F-I-T-Z. Retrofits. Oh, that's good. <laughs> it's really good. I oh, mean, yeah. Hello. Yeah, you just made my day. I hadn't even seen this. Gosh, yes. I'm just envisioning an R3 with a RZ350 engine in it. It's and some amazing retro. how well, because it's, it's not that spar frame that looks so odd if you try to right. do old body work with it. The R3 has a tubular frame and it's just fiberglass parts. It's not even, it's just a tank cover. That just I, works. I, the problem is I can't decide whether I like the traditional, you know, Kenny Roberts bumblebee or this red, white, and blue, which is a little, little seventies for me, but like it's it. so cool. Yeah. It's so cool. A thousand bucks is what they want. That's for that's, like the the base. It looks like right. this. Yeah, Rocket Street and then the Rocket Race. I, offhand, I'm not. It looks like the race has a, a larger underbelly well, section. It, yeah, and it also doesn't have a headlight. Oh, there's no headlight on it. Yeah, a thousand bucks. Is this a tank cover or is that a tank? Like, what is this gas tank? Um, do you know? I think it is just a fiberglass cover. Okay. If you're on their website, scroll all the way down to where they put a Banshee motor in an R3 frame with their bodywork on it. See, that's what I want to do. I think that would be really cool. You know, because when we were talking about the... It's not MC Commute anymore. Yeah. Uh, Daily Daily Rider review 
of the RZ350, where he was saying, you know, it is kind of old. Right. Taking a Banshee motor and putting it in an R3 frame would get rid of a lot of that it's really old feeling right. and still give you that same engine. We all we all start scrambling like, oh, what can I get a Yamaha R3 for? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. It's like, could I find one that's been downed and needs all new body oh, work? Basically, look at the weir- basically go look at the Wira race boards for sale. I'm yeah. sure there's probably a few of them there. And I'm sure you could get one like for, three a grand, grand. for three grand. You can probably get one. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you could get a wrecked one for around two or twenty five hundred or something. Throw some body. That could be cool. That I I really like the uh, blue, the red, white, and blue. Yeah, yeah. Kind of that teal blue. Yeah. And, and, I wouldn't want it to say retrofits on the side of it, no. but cool looking bike. Uh, and those of you who are listening, I'll put it on the Hooniverse post and uh, you can go to Hooniverse and take a look at it. I am very intrigued. I'm glad you brought this up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when I first saw it, I thought, oh my goodness, I've seen so many, you know, retro cafe kits for yeah. modern bikes yeah. and they never work. This one, I'm like, oh, this works. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And you'd still have, you know, a reliable, smooth operating, nice, modern, you can get parts for it. It's not ancient. It's not carbureted. It doesn't have, you know, a 19-inch front tire that you can't get decent rubber for or worse, a Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 16-inch. My gears are turning. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I have to say, when my niece and my brother-in-law bought their versus 300s it almost sent me out there's a dealer not too far away from me that's had a suzuki gsx 250r mm-hmm. the really cool looking 2019 with the abs and the traditional gsxr graphics on it has had it advertised for at least 18 months oh really even went and talked to my wife about it and i i just know it's going to sit in the garage way too often to be worth what it would cost yeah um, that's fair but i still would like to get something in that 250 300 size Mm -hmm. so um now that i've thought about it i gotta i actually gotta look so i'm pulling up the wira board just to see what's in the for sale (laughs) just to see I'm on the insurance auctions looking to find something that's you're out at copart.com yeah uh, insurance auto auctions I don't I did I tell you I bought a Subaru Forester. This is kind of a crummy story actually. I bought a Subaru for I I wanted a, a daily driver car that was all wheel drive. And every once in a while I buy a vehicle on the insurance auctions. I usually try to find something that's like I can repair conveniently, you know, something low mileage. So I found the Subaru Forester. It's only got fifty thousand miles on it. It needs a front bumper cover and a front fender, but that's about it. In Washington, you have to have these insurance auction vehicles inspected by state patrol. They just make sure the parts that you use to replace it aren't stolen, so they want to look at your receipts and all that. Well, because of COVID, they're not doing these inspections. So I've had the Subaru Forester. It's a 2010. It's just sitting on my property because I can't get it inspected because the Washington State Patrol isn't doing these inspections. And so I have this car just sitting around doing nothing and it's kind of unfortunate. When I bought it, it was like right when they stopped doing these inspections. That sucks. <laughs> it does suck. Yeah, it sucks bad. Ooh, look, an R3 in 2017 up in Seattle. 
It's a theft. Perfect. Yeah. I might be looking for a salvage title or three. I think I would reach out to this GG Retrofits company and make sure that this is not vaporware before I bought the bike. I know. Yeah. Well, the, yeah. Well, worst yes. comes to worst, I'll just put my RZ350 engine in a... Oh, I was going to say, yeah. An R3. yeah that, that, like, that either way, I'll have an R3 chassis. Yeah, because don't you have an extra engine I sitting do. around? I do. I have a full engine, wiring harness, uh, carburetors, you name it. I got a full powertrain set up, sitting, doing nothing. Yes. I like it. <laughs> Years are turning. I'm going to have to like look and see if you know you can actually buy one of these kits, if it's conceptual or if they actually produce them. Well, they've made at least they've made at least one. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. They did a good enough job on it. I can't imagine that they're not going to be able to sell these at that price yes. because that's a really really cool setup. I disagree. It's like like you get yourself a Yamaha R3, you throw that bodywork on it, and, and just pretend to go race an Arma. Like, sure, yeah, look, it's it's yep. old. <laughs> look at the bodywork. Don't mind that it's fuel injected. No. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I have to give some shout-outs uh, on air. I got to say hi to Chris in the UK. He's on a forum that I post some of my builds to and listens to all of our podcasts pretty much always says, Hey, I've just listened to the last episode and has given me some feedback and has said positive things. So Chris, how you doing? Thanks for listening. And my buddy, Nate dog, he was actually one of the Patreon supporters of Camden tubbed when it was a sister podcast of ours in the Hooniverse podcast network. He just texted me and said that he had listened to our latest episode. He said, caught the one where you talk about the new Rebel and Busa. I sat on my friend's Rebel, and I should not have done that. (laughs) (laughs) I got to say, that 1100 Rebel, especially with the DCT, I think is... It's got potential. I agree. Unfortunately, if I was going to spend that much... I think the new second generation uh, Triumph Bobber for 2021 would get my money. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not sure I could buy the really weird, goofy looking good bike over the really gorgeous good bike. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I'd be like, yeah, I'd, I'd have to go with the with the Triumph. And also, I think there's just more of a mystique to a Triumph than mm-hmm. a, a Honda. Agree. So, sorry, Honda. Unless it's got like, you know, double overhead cams and and single sidearm. Yeah, unless it's like a really really high tech Honda. I mean, in a raceway, not a. I have an automatic transmission. I don't have to shift way. Honda just doesn't have the cachet that they used to. Yeah, agreed. Okay, well, I think we're probably at a stopping point, aren't we? Yeah, I think so. I appreciate you guys doing this with me every month. I haven't done this in a while, but we do have a Facebook page that if you're on Facebook, go ahead and take a look at that. You can always go to Hooniverse.com and see pictures of everything that we talk about. All the bikes will have pictures, including the Cafe R3, my Bride of Boltockenstein bike, 
some of the other bikes we talk about. Make sure we have pictures of those. And you can play the podcast from there. But the fact that you're listening to it now means you already (laughs) have it. Until next month, thank you guys. Thank you, listeners. And we'll see you all next time. Bye-bye.